This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today we are taking a look at 1995's Kamera Daikaiju Kucho Kesen, or known here in the West, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, and is directed by Shusuke Kaneko and written by Kazunori Ito. And let me tell you, I am looking forward to talking <laughs> talking about this film, especially after what whatever that was last episode i i took a break from camera movies uh not not too long like about a week <laughs> not even a week um uh, but yeah it, it is definitely uh that that last movie i don't want to talk about because this is such a 180 from that such a 180 uh, let me tell you and you know what i'm gonna just decrease the volume a little bit hopefully not too much i i just don't want to be like popping off the mic <laughs> sorry i should have probably done that earlier but whatever and also apologies if you hear the fan in the background it is just way too hot so yeah anyways i love this movie so dearly it is again the opposite of last movie last movie hate hate and i know hate's a strong word but that was the feeling i had for that movie this love uh but part of that has to do with nostalgic bias and i will get to that in the podcast later on or at least in this episode uh because the thing is Well, I did rent two Gamera movies on VHS tapes when I was a little kid before getting into DVDs. Uh, And and I mentioned those were Gamera vs. Gauss and Gamera vs. Zegra. I'm pretty sure I did mention that I owned one Gamera movie on VHS. And this was it. This was the one Gamera movie I actually owned on VHS. And man, what a great movie to own as a kid. And... (laughs) For the record, just to let you know, maybe maybe this isn't the right camera for a normal three to four year old kid to watch. I mean, it kind of does have some more, uh, I guess, gruesome like effects, you know. So this is definitely a viewer beware, you know, just viewer discretion. Uh, but I got away with it, and I loved it as a kid. I kept watching this movie over and over again. I mean, I've watched a lot of the Godzilla movies over and over again, but I remember this movie so fondly. With that said, let me break it down to you what happens in this podcast. I go on and talk about, you know, I go give you a brief synopsis of the movie that I wrote out. Then I talk about five things I like. Then I talk about five things I dislike, and then I wrap it all up with my overall thoughts. So, without further ado, here's the synopsis. 
After a 15-year hiatus from cinema, Gamera is back, and he has been promoted from friend to all children to guardian of the universe. In this grand return, Gamera will face off against his old foe, Gauss, who has also been upgraded to be a more deadlier foe than before. <laughs> I don't know why I said, uh, I didn't even write, uh, but anyway, back to synopsis. Only one will survive in this climactic battle. Will humanity survive? Well, go watch the movie for yourself. And I, you know, seriously, I, you know, implore you to watch this movie. Go out and find it. I'm pretty sure it's available on Amazon Prime. So if you have a Prime subscription, yeah, go for it. Watch it right now. Like, legit. Even though I mentioned uh, spoilers as a, you know, kind of disclaimer at the beginning of each episode. This one in particular. Please, 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 please. Go watch this movie before listening to this podcast. Uh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. Uh, podcast will stay here. I, mean, I probably shouldn't be doing that since I don't have many, many listeners. But as at the time of this recording, who knows what happened between uh, first episode being posted and when this episode comes out. Who knows? But no, anyway, uh, yeah, so... Back from that little side tangent, I'm going to talk about five things I like first, and I'm going to do something a bit different with these coming Gamera movies, since they're considered a trilogy, and they also have a lot of overlapping crew. I, You know, granted, so did the show era Gamera movies, but this, this is more different. It's a uh, in the sense that this is like a defined trilogy, and a lot of the aspects that I like about this movie transfers over to the next movie. So I'm pro- probably going to talk about these, you know, movie trilogies, you know, for the likes. Like each point will be definitely specific for this movie, but it will also reflect my thoughts on the rest of the trilogy. And I'll only repeat it if it's like a significant upgrade, but. With that said and done, I'm going to start off with something that is very timely of this recording, and that is the special effects. They are so great. For those of you who do not know, the special effects director for this movie is none other than, I want to make sure I say it right, there we go, Shinji Higuchi. And Shinji Higuchi is currently the director of Shin Ultraman, which is out in Japanese theaters by the time of this recording. Uh, Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, we will know about a U.S. release. I am so looking forward to that movie. But yes, uh, Shinji Higuchi, he is the special effects director of this movie. And he also co-directed Shin Godzilla, which is one of my favorite Godzilla movies of all time. So it's really awesome to see his work here. And his special effects work, his direction here is uh, honestly amazing. Like, legit, even compared, like, not just, like, if you compare it to the Showa era Gamera movies, oh yeah, 
you know, automatically these special effects below the show era version, you know, out of the water, but that's because of time. And, you know, this is, you know, mid nineties technology has, you know, such like, you know, gone beyond what was available in the seventies and sixties. But if you, but what's awesome about this movie in particular is that it was going against, uh, the bigger budgeted Godzilla versus Destroya in the same year, and like in Toho's annual Heisei Godzilla movies, which don't get me wrong, I legit, I legitimately love the Heisei Godzilla movies. I know they have their flaws, but I love those movies. But with that said, those bigger budgeted movies, this you know smaller budget movie, like I believe the August Ragoni intro. In the Arrow Blu-ray video mentioned that this movie only had the third of a budget of what the Heisei Godzilla movies had. Yet, despite that, the special effects are just... They blow the Heisei Godzilla movies special effects out of the water. And that is no disrespect to the special effects director of the Heisei Godzilla movies. You know, I actually met him in G-Fest before he unfortunately passed away. Um... I have a little spider clang on my laptop. Alright. I'm going to just have him not be on my laptop. Oh dear. Oh dear. Did the spider fell on me? Please tell me no. Uh, red alert. I do not know where the spider is. It, it was a little guy. Um, he kind of flew off. I don't know where he is. Oh dear. Um, well, hopefully he's not crawling on me. I would be terrifying. To say the least. Um. <laughs> yeah, like, here's the thing. I'm legitimately fine with spiders. Except when they start to crawl on me. Then that's a problem. That's actually a big problem. But yeah, I like spiders. Sorry for this little tangent. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Spider's not crawling on me. Uh, so, I'm going to keep that in the podcast. That's a very entertaining uh, story. And it is going to be much more tense uh, throughout the recording of this episode. My goodness. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the special effects. Uh, so, let's break the special effects part one by one um so we have the suits the suits are a fantastic upgrade to the show era you know renditions of gamera and gauss i mean gamera has so much more going on in his suit there's more characteristics with gamera we get to see more you know better eye movement with the eyes blinking you know there's so much character to gamera and this and just also detail i also love like his shell on his back how cool that looks the detail on his mouth so awesome and gauss ooh, gauss looks so terrifying like ah oh, man the like uh i i love how scary they make gauss in this movie particularly the final one and I, I love you know kind of, even some of the derpier parts like Gauss's eyes at the beginning of the movie, they were kind of derpy looking, but despite that, yeah, there's like such detail going into these suits. Uh, and also a lot of 
work, you know, mechanically, I imagine, to make these suits feel more lifelike. This is like such a stark contrast to the stiff, you know, suits we saw in the original Gamera versus Gauss. This, you know, these ones feel like living creatures. Uh, the miniature work, so great. Like, oh, man, like the buildings are in the final battle. They just look so good. I love how the monsters, you know, were scaled down from what they were kind of depicting from the Heisei Godzilla movie. I don't mean to keep comparison to that, but it's a comparison that everybody makes. Uh, but yeah, the, like, here's the thing, like, you know, I loved, again, the Heisei Godzilla movies, you know, but it's got, the monsters, they were like 100 meters tall. I believe Gamera was like back to 50 meters down tall. So he was still taller than a lot of the buildings, but it's like they were, he wasn't like over, you know, bearing on them. They were like, he was like just kind of slightly taller. I'm going to look up, you know, his height. And for those of you still wondering, yes, I am still worried about the spider uh around me i i don't feel the spider crawling on me but it was also a little spider uh so again uh, yeah i don't know where uh mr spider went uh, there we go 60 80 meters according to google uh which is still smaller than the 100 meters that Godzilla was but yeah anyway uh, the buildings, you know, and the miniature work is really, you know, stellar. Ah, uh, man, like, uh, there's, like, there's, like, so much more character into these buildings, I feel. And we get to see, like, them on the streets. Um, I love the miniature set of the stadium uh, at the, earlier in the movie, Gamera going, you know, ripping that apart to get to the gals. Uh, I love also the very, like, smaller scale, scale, or, yeah, the smaller scale, or, no, they might be smaller scale, like, uh, bigger scale miniatures that fit the gals when gals were, you know, not super big, but, yeah, uh, like, inside the stadium, that was cool. I, I wonder if it was a green... No, it wouldn't have been a blue screen effect because I would have seen the line. Because there is like some blue screen and green screen going on, but you can see the lines and stuff. Um, I love just the way they get the um, the effects down. The, the explosion times are perfect. Um... And I could probably find more to talk about with the, expl you know, special effects, but I'll probably be saying um a lot trying to recall it. But anyway, uh, the special effects here are stellar. It's great work. And I also want to say the, like, uh, how the monsters are angled or shot in this movie is, you know, really great. And I also really want to give mentions to the suit actors real quick. I should have done that in the 
you know, Showa era one, but uh, trying to find an IMDb because there's uh, okay, uh, there we go. The suit actor for Gam, you know, Gamera was Naoyake, no, Naoki Manabe. You know, he did a great job, but I also want to give props to Yumi Kaneyama, who played Gauss, and she is the first female suit actress in a kaiju movie, believe it or not. So, you know, props for the team of doing that, you know, like, like, that is just kind of so cool to have, you know, like, and it's not kind of a woke thing, but just kind of like having a diverse special effects, you know, suit acting, you know, cast, you know, that's really great. Um, but yeah, I also want to say that, you know, Yumi's more feminine, like, body stature fits Gauss's body, like, skinnier body, you know, much better than would be like a male playing Gauss. Because, you know, body structure wise, biology, you know, men are particularly just more wider, bulkier, you know. Well, you know, females they're particularly more, you know, narrow, you know, would be best word, you know. So it I think, you know, her, you know, just, again, natural body shape helps reflect the, you know, like, reflect Gauss's, you know, like, body stature perfectly that I just can't see a male suit actor doing just as well. Um, and also, again, the movement she does with Gauss is really great. Uh, and... Again, uh, the suit actor for Gamera, he's also great. But anyway, enough of the special effects. And by the way, Spider Update. I looks like he's back on my laptop, uh, on my laptop screen. He, he really likes my laptop. I, I don't like the spider on my laptop. But glad to know the spider is not on my leg. But anyway... I'm going to be so distracted with that spider. Anyway, next up, I want to mention the music. Uh, like, it is such a great soundtrack. The music is done by Kootani, who you might know from GMK fame. But yes, he did the, you know, Gamera trilogy. His music is phenomenal. You know, just absolutely amazing. You know, I especially love his, you know, theme for Gamera, the da 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 da. I don't want to get copyright, but no, like seriously, there's like this. It's not like so traditional, you know classic monster movie because there is like a mysticism to these soundtracks uh but again you know while i love the gamma song as you might have heard from previous episodes i love the gamma gamma the you know the music shows you know the shift in tone you know to this more serious one 
and it harkens back to the uh, first three Gamera movies. Uh, specific, blah. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, but specifically, uh, Gamera, Daikaiju Gamera, and Gamera vs. Gauss, the original one. And, you know, for, that was a more, you know, like dominant monster theme and this one again with the da 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 it's you know it's amazing i recommend you look up the soundtrack uh i could imagine you know i could see myself listening to the soundtrack just on its own and it also complements the battles and the more tense action scenes really well and it also has some great quiet moments in the soundtrack like more like not quiet, but more like you know, not as you know heavy action packed, but just more you know soothing. I guess I guess that would be the wrong word, but it depends on the. I, I'm just gonna say you know the music does you know, it fits every scene perfectly. You know, and the soundtrack again is also really catchy on its own. But the important thing is, is that it fits the movie. Right, it does not feel mismatched whatsoever in the movie. You know, and the light motifs for Ga- you know, Gamera especially is very memorable. Uh, next up is the human cast. So this is going to be a quick lowdown and of the actors real quick. We have... Da-da-da-da. Yoshinari... Yonemori, who is played by Su- <clears throat> sorry, Suyoshi Ihara, uh, I believe. Yeah, Yoshinari, he is a naval officer who is charged of transporting plutonium, along with some cameo actors who are the captains of the two Navy ships. And that would be Akira Kubo, who is captain of the Kai, sorry, the Kaiyu Maru, the Kaiyu Maru. I hope I said that right. And Akira Kubo is known for playing a ton of roles in the Toho Kaiju, you know, like the Toho Kaiju movies, you know, in the 60s, you know, and 50s. Most notably, I would say his, you know, roles, the inventor and Invasion of the Astral Monster, or also known as Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Oh, he's a great actor. And then we have returning actor Kojiro Hongo, who played in three of the Gamera movies, including Gamera vs. Burugan, Gamera vs. Gauss, and Gamera vs. Beerus. Now, uh, sadly, he passed away in 2013, and I believe this was his last role in the Gamera movie. Uh, there is not much to his role. It's, you know, again, it's a cameo role, but still it's nice to see him return one last time to see the Gamera franchise take in this new direction. Then we have Akira Onodera, who is played... No, I'm sorry. Akira Onodera plays... Naoya Kusanagi, who is, I believe, like, he, like uh, 
insurance agent for the ships or whatever. No, like insurance investigator. I don't know what his role was necessarily, but I do know that he was in charge of the investigation of what happened with the two ships. Uh, for those, you know, to give a bit bit of context specifically, in the beginning of the movie, I mentioned uh, Yone Morisan, you know, he's part of Navy crew transporting plutonium. Well, they get hit by a moving atoll, which is later identified to be Gamera, and that causes an incident. Thankfully, plutonium did not get into the ocean, but the, you know, the incident does need investigating. And they need to find the atoll. And Kusanagi is uh, the head of the investigation there. And that those two are our primary, or at least our starting members of the Gamera team. You know, Team Gamera. You know, uh, because they're mostly focused on, like, they're the ones that discovered, you know, the atoll. You know, and they ciphered the code. You know, like, the, there's, like, a tablet on the atoll, you know, that shows, like, a prophecy that kind of declares that Gamera's the last hope, Gauss's shadow of evil, you know, and this is also where there's a bunch of metal beads, and one of them is given to Asagi Kusanagi, who is played by Ayo- <clears throat> Ayako Fujitani. And she is the daughter of Steven Seagal. You know, a little trivia for you there. And she does a great job as Asagi. Although I will say I think her performance does get better on in later movies. But she does a great uh, job as being sort of the child aspect. I put those in quotation marks. You know, because she is definitely a high school student in this movie. You know, so she's definitely older than the kids we got, but she's still that like kid element. And it's also like a great twist to kind of the friend to all children. You know, because this one she's acting directly more as like a priestess to Gamera. And in fact, like she shares Gamera's pain, you know, lends Gamera her strength. There's more of a direct relationship between her and Gamera. Um, I will say I wish we got to see a little bit more of her character. I should have put that in the dislike, but that that's a very bit of a nitpick, you know, very big nitpick. But she does a great, you know, job here. Uh, so that I think rounds our main cast of Team Gamera, who are focused on more of Gamera's exploits. Uh, but then we have, uh, I just want. I want to make sure I got my actresses and actors right. We have uh, Shinobu Nakayama, who is playing Mayumi Nagamine. Uh, she is the main, you know, protagonist of Team Gauss. And in, I remember hearing something about you know Shusuke Kaneko. You know, wanting to change it up, like, because in a lot of, you know, films of the kaiju genre, like, you know, there's, like, a prominent male lead with a female sidekick. You know, we've seen this in plenty of kaiju movies before, not just Gamera. 
Like we got a good example of that Gamma versus Barugan. Uh, I think a prominent ex- you know example would be Mothra versus Godzilla in 1964. You know that's usually the case. Then with the males the lead and the you know woman's more of you know a secondary supporting character for the male lead. But this is not the case. She is by far the main character of the Gauss timeline. She is the leading lady. You know and. Mayumi is also a really great character. You know, in this movie, you know, she has you know some concerns of you know the Gauss uh, and how the government is acting towards the Gauss. But uh get you know, she's like kind of the lead, you know, expert on the Gauss just because she's the one that has the first contact with the Gauss and is also you know she is a professor of birds, uh, even though she is like, like she's a young. Is she a professor? I don't remember, uh, but she does, you know, study birds, you know, and bird life, you know. So she has like the most expertise, knowledge for this. Uh, anyway, next up is by far one of the greatest characters of cinema. I'm sorry. I should uh, clarify. Mayumi is a doctor. But anyway, we have Inspector Osaka, Os- Osako, who is played by Yukijiro Hotaru. Um, he's more prominently in the film in the first half. He, so in the movie, in the beginning, you know, uh, there's an incident on an island that where... Mayumi's soon, you know, superior, her boss, uh, the professor, what's his face? <laughs> I I don't think we actually ever see the professor. So, and I'm looking this all up on IMDb, so there's no credit for the professor. But essentially, her senior, you know, disappears on the island, and this inspector, Inspector Osako is in charge of figuring out what happened. And he and Mayumi go on the island to inspect what happened. They're both the one, you know, and they both, you know, find the guy. Us. Uh, by the way, Inspector Osaka, did I mention he was played by Yukijiro Otaru, who also makes a cameo appearance in GMK. And GMK, also known as Godzilla Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. It was also directed by Shusuke Kaneko. You know, so I feel like there's... He's like kind of the Bruce Campbell of Shusuke Kaneko's, you know, Sam Raimi. And sort of, you know, if you get my dress. Just kind of like, that's what I get feeling of with him just, you know, appearing in these, you know, Shusuke Kaneko kaiju movies. You get a sense that there was a good relationship. Uh, I wish we got to see more of him in the second half, but... Overall, he is definitely, like, he plays, you know, he's the supporting, you know, character to uh, Mayumi's character, which is great. Uh, And the last character I want to mention, well, there's two characters, but I'm trying to find, uh, aha. There we go. 
the last major character I want to mention is Mr. Saito, who is played by Hirotaro Honda. Uh, and he kind of plays the government bureaucrat. And he's the one that, like, you you don't like him. In fact, I love in the movie where... Okay, so in the movie, Mr. Saito and the government, their, their goal is to capture Gauss, even though they have plenty of evidence to show that Gauss might be better off dead. Gauss is the one to that kills humanity. Uh, like, he, he's that sniveling... You know, government bureaucrat that you're just like, oh, you love to hate. But anyway, you know, he and the government want to capture the gals and want to kill Gamera. Very smart people, even though more evidence of Gauss, you know, killing people, like directly killing people uh, versus Gamera. There's no evidence of Gamera killing people, but hey, kill the giant turtle, whatever, I guess. And Apparently, their argument <laughs> for trying to capture Gauss, even after Gauss has caused, you know, killed so many people, you know, they're just like, well, it's like if a T Rex was on the loose, you know, sure, the T Rex would eat people, but I think a lot of people would love for it to be captured. <laughs> and it's like, what kind of argument is this? Crazy, crazy people. But there's this favorite moment where the, the government and him realize that it's like, Oh, hey, maybe we should fight, you know, actually try to kill Gauss. But it comes too little to late where Gauss just, you know, is now big enough to withstand the military's, you know, efforts into killing them. So, you know, and after their attempt to kill Gauss failed and it resulted in the Tokyo Tower being, you know, uh, pretty much destroyed. Not completely, but it's like the top of it is sort of not on the top anymore it's kind of dangling dangling you know on the tower but as he being used for gauss's nest but anyway he says you know it's like uh so you know that man i really hope gamera comes you know like he prays like man where's gamera where you need him <laughs> that verbs mayumi to say i despise you Granted, I'm going off the sub, you know, English subtitles, but still, just you know, she just like calls him out right there, just like you disgust me. That that was the line. You disgust me. <laughs> she's just like just calls him out straight up. Uh you know, it's it's such a great scene. And I guess the la you know, the last character I want to mention is a very minor role. It's uh, but it's mostly I just want to mention the actor because of when I'm recording this episode, it's more timely and I want to say something about it. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right. I, I'm horrible with names in general. Uh, shoot, I'm not seeing him on IMDb. Uh, if you're listening to this and you are in touch with, you know, tokusatsu fan base or just tokusatsu in general you know you might know who i'm talking about hang on i know where to find him uh because you know here's the thing about imdb imdb is not known for being the most accurate 
you know, website out there, but this act, there we go. Um, so I want to mention that there's an actor who plays a military officer and he's prominently in like the third act of the movie. Uh, just, you know, like he's not a general, but he's definitely like, I would say below general, like kind of like a on field commander or whatever. He has a very distinct presence, but anyway, I want to give mention to actor Hiroyuki. I'm sorry, Hiroyuki Watanabe. Uh, unfortunately, when I'm recording this, it was you know not too long ago. He sadly took his own life. Uh, you know, back in beginning of may 2022 and he is a great actor he was you know very great in ultraman gaia and even though again he played a pretty minor role in this movie he does have a very good presence in this movie um and he's just a great actor overall and i feel like since you know he is in this movie it would give me an opportunity to talk about him you know properly so i want to pay my respects to you know, Hiroyuki. I'm sorry, Hiro, Hiro, Hiroyuki, Hiroyuki, uh, Watanabe-san. You know, I, you know, I, in fact, uh, I heard the news of him passing away. It was actually in the middle of me watching Ultraman Gaia, so it made watching the rest of Ultraman Gaia hurt pretty bad. I, I know this is a tangent. But again, it's it's very sad, and it's sad that he felt the need to take his own life. Um, I my condolences are with his family and friends, and I think you know he'll be missing the tokusatsu and kaiju genre, you know, severely. Oh, anyway, I that was our third like, my third like. Uh, so we're going to go off to the next like, you know, thing I like, and this is the direction and writing. I'm putting them both in one kind of spot, and that's because I think they work really well together. Because um, what Kazunori Ito, you know, wrote in the screenplay is greatly executed by Shusuke Kaneko, and... IMDB does not list Shusuke Kaneko as writer, apparently, but August Ragoni intro said that Shusuke Kaneko did co-write with Kazunori Ito, so I, I'm going to lean towards what August you know, Ragoni said in the intro, but for those who don't know, Kazunori Ito is the writer for 1995's Ghost in the Shell, pretty popular anime movie are obscure very obscure actually i'm sure nobody's heard of ghost in the shell before um and then we got shusuke kaneko who like i mentioned before directed gmk he's also directed live action death note not not the netflix one it's a 2006 death note movie i have not seen the 2006 movie so I wouldn't know. Um, but yes, anyway, these two 
will stay on for the rest of this trilogy, and they do such a great job. I love the story they craft in this movie of giving, like, they did what the MonsterVerse would end up doing, but they did it first, uh, but they kind of just add, you know, tie in, you know, fantasy mysticism into kind of sci-fi by, like, you know, they kind of make it, you know, they blur the line, or make it unknown like we don't know the creatures you know where they really came from we only have our theories like they only present like you know say atlantis creating gal you know gamma as a way to fight gals and that atlantis also created gals but gals backfired you know again it's all just a theory based on what little knowledge the characters got i love how they write the characters and how they portray the characters in this movie because they feel very distinctly human like there's no character tropes there's no kenny's there's no toshio's you know there's no like there is like a comedic relief you know and there's funny moments but there's no like character archetypes or you know basically you know they all just feel human and that's really great. That is phenomenal. And the way that they tie in the human element with the monsters and how we get to, you know, rediscover, you know, the, more about the kaiju as the human cast do is really great. Uh, and it's just the fact that they're able to add such freshness to the Gamera IP is very stellar. Uh it's like it's like uh, I don't want to talk about it too much, but because even though I spoiled the heck out of this movie already, I do want to say I think the best way to experience their work is to watch the movie. I uh, <clears throat> I also love how they kind of like add you know modern you know problems at the time into this movie, you know like climate change and how that is affecting the monster, you know. Like coming out, I also love how they portrayed the government and how they mention the you know, Self Defense Act or the Japanese Constitution, you know, the agreement. Or I, I'm sorry, I forgot what it's called. I should have done my research properly, but it's really great uh, how they implement the fact that. You know, how the military is like, hey, should we attack Gamera? And they're like, no, we might not be able to, and even. You know, it's like, we don't know if this falls under our jurisdiction, or we don't know if we're legally allowed to. And that would be more explored in uh, Shin Godzilla. But again, the world and story they were able to craft with this IP is truly phenomenal, you know, phenomenal. Uh, really great work on both, on both of their, uh, <clears throat> sorry, just, just great work on both, you know, from both of them. And my final point is the fact that, you know, it's just the reinvention of Gamera and Gauss and the shift in tone in this movie. I really like that. I, I mentioned briefly with Gamera and Gauss, you know, their reinvention. But, uh, you know, it's just like, again, just a, you know, Gamera had this reputation of being a cheap knockoff of, you know, a cheap child-friendly knockoff of 
you know, Godzilla or Godzilla ripoff. You know, and to some res- you know, respect, not too far from the truth, even though I think Gamera deserves a bit more credit than that, but that is the reputation Gamera had, at least here in the West. Well, these movies are, you know, especially with this movie since it's the first of the trilogy, made a more serious movie. Uh, again, there's still some, light, you know, a bit of lightheartedness, but yeah, this is like the movie takes Gamera and Gauss very, you know, seriously with respect. Uh, it shows, you know, there's a lot of consequences in this movie. The consequences of the military. We get to see Gauss eat, you know, horses, you know, attack people, you know, directly. You know, we get to see Gamera eat, you know, I'm sorry, not Gamera. No, Gauss. Gauss eat people. I, you know, which we, again, we did technically see in the first Gamera versus Gauss, but the, the thing is with, like, okay, you know, I also mentioned that there's a big gore in this movie, and even though, yeah, in Showa Gamera movies, there was gore and blood and all that, but it's it was different. Think of it this way. The blood and gore of the Showa Gamera movies were more goofy. They were like Tom and Jerry gore and blood. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, they got caught up, whatever. You know, it, it wasn't realistic. Here, though, they go for more you know, realistic or, you know, kind of tone or just like realistic in a way of how would they actually, you know, bleed? How would they actually get torn and stuff? It's more gruesome in that way because they're trying to portray a more realistic, you know, tone. And also the story reflects, you know, just how would humans really, or at least specifically Japan, would react to a kaiju attack? You know, it's, the movie is... I don't want to say like it's it's not grounded grounded as in the you know obviously there's a lot of fantastical elements. I mean, Gamera's still a fire breathing tur you know giant turtle that shoots jets out of his you know legs and arms and flies around. You know, there's still that. You know, it's not grounded that, but I'm saying like tone wise, it's grounded. You know, it's not like this is definitely different than grandpa's camera where there's a lot of silliness cartoonishness going on for this one the stakes are very much high you know and it's also to be taken more seriously and i i applaud that you know i applaud that not only the creative team but Dai was able to take the risk of going with a more serious direction uh, apparently according to august ragoni intro uh, Dai CEO was only planning on doing like a 60 minute camera, you know, like special, whatever. And it was actually Shusuke Kaneko who was like, you know, pitched the more serious, you know, camera. But there was still some hesitations. Like they didn't want to straight, like, camera had to still not be scary. But the fact that they were able to take the risk, you know, and that that's the thing, you know, it is this movie. By all extent, it was a risk to make because Gamera was established as a child, you know, you know, a child marketed franchise in the show era. It was marketed for children, you know, so 
making a gamma movie that is for more mature audience, that's a gamble. You know? But it put it paid off greatly, and we got some of the best movies in the genre, and just and great movies overall. You know, because of it. Anyway, with that said, I have gushed about this movie long enough. Now it's time to go for some more, some of my dislikes and criticism, criticisms. But here, uh, nitpicks. They they are very much nitpicks. Uh, well, first of all, I gotta talk about this. Gauss killed a puppy, so that is an automatic, automatic knock on this movie. You know what? When you kill a puppy, I know this is a more serious camera movie, but leave the puppers alone. Killing puppies is not cool. Don't do that. So, yeah. Obviously, this movie's now a 0 out of 10 because of that. <laughs> Joking aside, but I, I don't like it when puppies are killed. I don't I, I don't know anybody who loves seeing a puppy killed in a movie. You know, who does? Uh, anyway, uh, next one is there's one scene, you know, and I will say this point. It is very much personal. Uh, very much personal. But there's you know one scene in the movie where they use strobe lights, and for me, I can have you know quite a sensitivity to light. You know, I have some you know I'm very sensitive, <laughs> you know, with my senses, like because uh, as an FYI, I am autistic. I am on the autism spectrum, so I do have sensory issues. So strobe lights, even though I don't have epilepsy, I do have light sensitivity. So if I were to watch that scene, you know, very lightly, you know, not not in a lightly lit room, you know, very dark room, it it does hurt my eyes. The flashes hurt my, you know, do, you know, they hurt for me to look at. Uh, but anyway, it, it's very minor, and it's not even the worst. You know, a phantom movie has like done with strobe lights. I mean, there's been like worse examples in more modern times. Like it, Chapter Two was particularly bad with the strobe lights. Or remember The Incredibles Two and how that went? Yeah, that didn't go too well, did it? Uh, but yeah. Anyway, this isn't like the worst example of strobe lights. It's and it's it's a fairly short moment but still i just needed to mention that it's something that i don't like uh this next part i feel there might be some criticism you know legit criticism is that the, it's the use of cgi rockets now this movie came out in 1995 um but you know so cgi is still you know it's not new per se but it's still growing and I say the CGI rockets, I don't really like them. It's because the CGI feels out of place in this movie with the, because this movie is pri- you know, prominently practical effects, and that is something I have to applaud this movie. You know, applaud. I don't, what does applaud even mean? I've been trying to use that word, but I don't think I know what that means. Applaud, but, uh, implore. Uh, Plored. 
I'm, I'm making words up. I applore. Yeah, so instead of applaud, it's applore now. <laughs> but no, uh, anyway, uh, as a quick, again, back to, I like, real quick, I applaud the crew makers, you know, for sticking with mostly practical effects. It's so great to see. But anyway, back, back to this, like, that's why it gets so drying seeing these CGI rockets. You know, they don't have, you know, happen a lot in the movie. They're, and they're very short. But still, it's kind of like, it's distracting to see. And something, it's one part of the movie that has not aged well. Everything else, I think, has aged phenomenally well. You know, all things considering. But this is just one of the minor aspects of just with technology, it hasn't aged well. So yeah, we're at three legs. Uh, this, uh, I don't know which point to talk about next. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: there's too many things to like about this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I was like struggling to keep within that five like limit I set for myself. You know, to try to keep a focus. You know, it's just like there's a lot to love about this movie, and I don't like that I had to pick and choose. <laughs> Uh, so that's very minor. And this last thing is that the what, the biggest thing I dislike is that I honestly have too much of a nostalgic bias to really look at this movie critically because I, again, this was the one camera movie I actually own on VHS. This is the one camera movie I watched the most times. In fact, I technically didn't need to rewatch this movie to kind of, you know, make this list, you know, because I've seen this movie to death. But no, I still, you know, decided to watch this movie because I love this movie. It's part of my childhood. It, I have such great memories watching it. And I, I'm i going to give you, like, straight up, I have a big nostalgic bias because of that. You know, and I don't think I can actually remove that bias. I So this is a very biased review of this movie but you know my goal is to try to look things more critically but with this movie it is particularly harder for me to look at it um with a more critical eye just because i have such a big bias for this movie you know so that i did not like it because i think it hard you know it harpens or it hurts my you know, like it hurts my ability to look at this movie critically. Well, with all that said and done, it's time to wrap it up with my overall thoughts. And overall, not only was this a significant upgrade to previous camera movies, it was an upgrade for the kaiju genre in general. This movie shows exactly how you properly reboot a dormant franchise. The crew here showed just how much passion they have for the craft that is tokusatsu as a whole and does it in a way where the human element is perfectly integrated and is a fantastic film on its own. I can't recommend this movie enough for either diehard fans of the kaiju genre or to a complete beginner. And there you have it. Next week we're going to be taking a look at the sequel, Gamera 2, Attack of, Attack of Legion, advent of legion we'll, we'll see but 
Anyway, that's it for this episode. Uh, as a quick update to the podcast, the podcast is now available on. Ooh, I should look it up real quick. Uh, I have two more platforms that this podcast is on. I got to sign on to my podcast host, which is Podbean. And da, 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 da. it takes a second. Distribution, podcast apps. So, yes, I am now available on Amazon Music. I'm available on Player FM, and I'm available on Samsung now. And I am also available, again, on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. So um, I think those are kind of big ones, you know, that I want to stick with. But yeah, that's you, you can find my podcast on those services now, and... If you made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening. Um, if you are listening to this on YouTube, make sure to press subscribe. Uh, oh, by the way, this podcast is available on YouTube. I should probably tell that as well. But yeah, anyway, if you are on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. I am working on videos that are not just a podcast. So by the time this episode's up, those videos should be already out there, you know, roaming. But anyway, leave a like, dislike if you hate me. Uh, click on the bell because YouTube is YouTube, and leave a comment to tell me what I'm doing right or what I'm what I'm doing right wrong or per- most importantly, what am I saying incorrectly? Name all the words that I can't say. <laughs> but anyway. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. Take care.